Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, good looking crowd. Nice to see y'all. Sunday, did you have a, I'm going to dive into the message. How's that? Did you have a good 4th of July? I'm losing myself. It's always nice to know where yourself is. Good 4th of July? I have every 4th of July in Milwaukee, I think about this. I really, I think for every year, I, th- I reminisce back to a time when I lived in Anchorage and we would go to the 4th of July fireworks at dusk. It's what the weather outside, it was like dusk, and it would be night at night or whatever it would be. And the, the, it, would be, the, it would be light outside. The sun would still be up, and you know, it would be dusky dusk. And the, it was really a buzzkill. You know, as a, as a child, you think you want to see the fireworks, and you want to see them going off. And in Milwaukee, we've got a nice black sky, right? Dark sky, at least we hope for a not rainy night. But in Anchorage, it would be just, you wanted clouds. <laughs> you, want, you wanted a backdrop to make it darker. And I just remember... It's kind of fun to think back on it, but I remember being a kid thinking, wow, that's, it's not a big deal to see fireworks because there's, there's nothing to see. But it's, it's actually, it's a wonderful holiday. I'm kind of a history. I like history. I know we've all grown up with understanding about the Revolutionary War and all that cause for our independence. And uh, any Americans, anyway, have, have gone through this. And I, uh, I think, you know, thinking back, we can, it must have been a very, Big deal to to have been at that time and to live in that that kind of culture. Here, this here, Britain controlled the colonies. We were the colonies for Britain, right? We were Brit- back then. We would have been British citizens, and and uh, and Britain would make these rules and laws and taxes and things specific to the colonies. And yet, we didn't feel as though back then we had a voice to to even be involved in those rulemaking and the lawmaking and those sorts of things that would go on. So we would have this, you know, kind of this political tug of war, you know. We would get mad at Britain for the, some of the rules, and they would make more rules to stop our complaining about rules. And, and then they would establish more taxes because of the, they were, had been in a big fight with the French and Indians and cost them money. And, and so this went back and forth and back and forth. And, I mean, ultimately we know what happened. There was a revolution, and they broke off. And, I, you know, can you imagine just sitting around the table after the Revolutionary War was won, Imagine sitting with your friends or your family members or whoever was with you, and, and you were, you were looking across each other. We got it. We got our independence. Now what? Right? I mean, where do they start? It must have been a, an amazing time to be here. It really, it, to see the birth of a nation, it must have really been something to be a part of. And uh, there was no rules. There was no, there was no laws at the time. For that short window of time, all they had were just local laws. And if you wanted to live in the woods, you could go live in the woods and make your own laws. And, you know, kind of, not really, but, you, you know, it was a different time. And that was the start of our national identity and this sense of independence and the sense that we could do things. And, and if we fast forward, today we have, you know, the, we, these, we have a problem in politics today. Have you noticed that? There's these two political parties. There's more than that, but there's two large political parties. I think you know who they are. And they don't always get along. Anybody else notice that? Sometimes they disagree. Actually, it's a horrible time. I don't think it's the worst time in American history. Every now and then, you know, somebody will say, oh, this may be the worst time. I think there was a worst time called the Civil War. (laughs) 
that was a problem between, you know, our parties in our government. But these parties today, they argue about this, and they argue about that, and the media portrays this, and the media portrays that. You know what I mean, right? And I'm not going to say that this party is right or this party is right. This is not about party, but this is about the, this, this fighting that goes on. And ultimately, it's interesting because they're, they're really at the core of it. I really, in my opinion, they're fighting about the American identity and what it takes to be an American and what it takes to be an American. And they both think they have it right. And it all goes back to the Revolutionary Times, the Revolutionary War, and this the declaration for our independence and then fighting for that declaration for our independence and the people who were behind that. All about identity. Who are we as Americans? So the 4th of July, this is a big holiday. For the most part, it's celebrated with barbecues. Who went to a barbecue on the 4th of July? Few, few. First service is about 30%. It's maybe around 20%. So there's barbecue times, or sometimes it's get-together with friends and family. And, but it really was a significant time about our identity. And so we have, as believers now, as believers, we have an identity taken this as well. Go ahead, Brad. We're just going to dive into a verse here. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, that's us, yeah, has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Imagine that, the colonies, right? You used to be English. Now you're... Did they know what to call themselves then? That's an interesting question, right? Now, we know we call ourselves Americans, but that first day after the Revolutionary War, were they all calling themselves the same thing? Or were they colonists? Or Well, as believers, we have this day, we give our life to the Lord, and then we have this day. This is an aside. But I kind of like it. For any of you church historians, you know the first group of believers didn't call themselves Christians. That term Christian didn't even exist back then. They were part of the way. The way. That's what they called themselves. Anybody remember the way Bible? I've got, I've got a way Bible. And it, on the front of it says the way. And then there's like some hippies. You know, pointing like this in the background in pictures. Anyway, all right, that has nothing to do with the message. But the identity, so we go from this identity to this identity, just like that. And it's a spectacular identity. We've talked about it over the years, off and on here before. Different preachers, different people, but we've talked about identity. Go ahead, Brad. This is just some of the things in our new identity. I think this is wonderful stuff. We are a child of God. You're part of a royal priesthood, not just a priesthood. A royal priesthood. Here we go from this identity in the world to all of a sudden, we're something special. Visa Carta, Master Charja. <laughs> we're part of a royal priesthood. The Spirit of God lives in you. He didn't before, but now He does. This is good news. Don't you think? If the Spirit of God lives in us, that's a big deal. We could wrap up the message and say the Spirit of God's in us. That's something to think on. We could go about our way and act out like the Spirit of God lives in us. And that would have been a successful sermon. Just that. Yeah, and you'd be like, oh, good, he's done talking. <laughs> you are an heir of God's glory. Through him you have overcome the world. You know, I know we got good days and bad days. I know it. But through him, you've overcome the world. We don't have to feel like our teeth are getting kicked in by the world. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever felt like that? Both of you? 
At some point, we've all felt like that in the world, but we've overcome. You have access to God and can boldly approach him. We can approach him. Now, you're forgiven. I, I want to say this. This is my opinion. In my opinion, if somebody grows up in a church like ours, they're very comfortable with being forgiven. They're told many, many times in their life, they're forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. And they may have grown up in a believer's home and, and avoided some of the things that are nasty in life. You know what I mean? But there are some people in this room who are so grateful to have been forgiven. Some people don't fully realize what it means. Some people have a really good sense of what it means. And in our identity with the Lord, we are forgiven. You are forgiven. And you don't have to hold on to that old baggage anymore. Now, you have blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Not some. Every single one. We've been blessed with it. You've been blessed with it. Come on, is this identity, is this not cool? This is spectacular. This is our identity. You're a citizen of heaven. You know, I think it's one thing to have this, this political party and this political party in America, and we have to figure out where we're at and how we vote, how we navigate society, how we earn an income, how we live with our neighbors, our family members, and it's one thing to be a citizen of the United States or a citizen of some country. But first and foremost, as believers, we're a citizen of heaven. And that is a whole lot sweeter than being a citizen of anywhere in this earth. True? And it's a good thing to remember. You talk about dual citizenship. That's the way to go. You're called and set apart. You are different. You're a conqueror, not defeated. We don't have to walk around thinking we got no chance in life. We don't have to live in the mugwumps. Anybody remember that expression? <laughs> we don't have to, we are not defeated. You're God's workmanship. You're not a mistake. He didn't make you badly. He didn't make you broken in our identity. We realize that. Sometimes it takes time to learn. We're an ambassador of God. Everywhere we go, for good or for bad, we represent him. This is our identity. And this is wonderful. But here's the challenge. If we have this identity that's so amazing and it's so spectacular as believers, so, it's so wonderful, why is it that sometimes doing stuff in this identity is so very hard? We've got this, but sometimes doing stuff is such a challenge. Even getting motivated to do stuff can be a challenge. You know what I'm talking about? I really got to get around to that one day. I really got to do that. It can be a challenge to do stuff. This is not just us. This is all through even biblical times. Go ahead, Brad. And I want to say, by the way, there's a difference between being willing to do something and having self-control. And the, and the Bible does differentiate. The original Greek words and Hebrew words, they're different. So I'm talking about is the willingness why can't, why can't we just seem to get it done sometimes? Our willingness. We look back in the scriptures. The Lord's speaking to the Israelites. If you are willing, 
If you will even just be willing and be obedient to do so, you shall eat the good of the land. Restore to me, David says, the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. It's not just the identity he had in following God, but Lord, make me willing. I got I to gotta get this stuff done. I got to do this stuff that's right. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is part of an epic passage. A well-known passage. The night before Jesus is taken, he goes, he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is, we know about the night, that we know about his crucifixion. We know it's a terrible experience. He's whipped. He, he carries this cross through the streets. He dies in front of his mother, in front of other family, friends. He dies hanging in his underwear, a degrading death. He dies amongst thieves. And he's, his body is just beat to a pulp. And before all this occurred, He's got his last chance to pray, and he takes a few of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. They go, and they're going to pray with him. And what we know is just a, just a heavy, heavy prayer time. If you know that you're going to go through the stuff the next day, you know that you're going to be turned over. And this is a heavy prayer time, and he prays. And we know from hindsight that it's such an intense time that he actually sweats, or he sweats blood. This is intense. Have you ever been through anything in life so intense that you just sweated blood? <laughs> I mean, it's, this is what he's going through. And he's praying and he's praying. And, you know, when, if we read his prayer in that context of just what's coming, and he should take this for me, it's just a hard time. He talked about having somebody's back, these three that went with him, right? But what were they doing? They were sleeping. They couldn't even stay awake. So Jesus has to go through all this stuff, and he's just, God, God, he's sweating this blood, and he's going through these challenges. And he gets up, and he goes back, and he's sleeping, and he says, spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You want to do it, but you don't get it done. Willingness is a big deal. You know, by the way, I know sometimes with willingness, we have a, uh, uh, sometimes we just have to get it done. But sometimes with willingness, we need a little bit of nudge. There's a difference between the two. You know, we just have to get it done. I'd like to think we wake up in the morning and we have to, we're willing enough to brush our teeth. We just get it done. Spiritually, we need to do certain things. But sometimes there's things in life we just need a little nudge on. We need to kind of screw up our courage or develop, prompt our willingness, develop our willingness. We need to get to that place of getting stuff done. So this morning, for the rest of the time, I just want to go over a few things that will help pump up the willingness a little bit. Amen? You know, so there's a lot of, there's been uh, some interesting studies on willingness. It's, uh, it's been a challenge in psychology today, in modern day psychology, because there's a, there's a bit of a duel going on. More and more and more psychologists, psychiatrists have, they thought, you know, we can do uh, self. We can, whatever makes us feel good, we can do that. We can live in that self, whatever makes you happy. You know, I used to have teachers that would tell me that, you know, follow your dreams, that will make you happy. We can do ourself because what our self is telling us, be true to yourself, right? Be, be true to developing your self, 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 self. And, and this is where psychology is running into a bit of a challenge because they're recognizing more and more that willingness is real. And there, for years, they used to think willingness, they kind of put it in the back burner. And they said, well, willingness isn't that much of a thing. It's more about developing yourself. And, and, and it's more about self-control and developing yourself because there's things you shouldn't do. But now they're finding it's, that's true. There's some self-control that needs to be developed. And, but willingness is so much greater than they ever thought it was. And these studies are turning up. 
we remember a self-control study that was done about 50 years ago, and this just might help toggle memories. There was a fellow, a doctor who uh, took a bunch of five-year-old children, one at a time, and he brought them in a room. Marshmallows, this is exactly where I'm going. Anybody remember the marshmallow study? A few of us. So he brought these children in the, uh, five, one at a time in a room, and this is basically, he put a marshmallow, an oversized marshmallow on a plate in front of him. Uh, I believe it was oversized. I'm trying to remember the video from, from back then. But there's a marshmallow in front of the plate, and he said, if you can wait, you know, you'll get two marshmallows. And then he would leave the room, or his assistant, or whoever was with the child would leave that room. And the child, there was a camera in the child, and you'd see the child looking at the marshmallow, <laughs> trying to decide, do they want to wait, or do they just want to eat that marshmallow? They could wait for two, just have the one. And sometimes they would wait, and sometimes they wouldn't. They would just pop it in their mouth. Sometimes it was as soon as the, the, the clinical, clinical worker left the room, and sometimes they would wait, you know, six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, and you could just see the temptation tearing their walls down, you know. I'm going to do it! And they go for the marshmallow. They found, now they watched those children over the years. They followed them in life, and those children that would wait and have the marshmallow later were much more likely to earn greater income and have less life challenges because they learn self-control. Well, this willingness is, is very similar. Not quite, but it's very similar. And there's an attitude behind it. And there's a fellow who's been big in psychology, uh, Baumeister, I think, is Dr. Baumeister. And he's quite well known for social psychology. And he's come out Several things that he's, he's found in his studies. Uh, willingness takes energy. Did you ever have to screw up your courage and you feel so tired when you're done? Willingness takes energy, and he was able to prove that. Um, willingness is a muscle. This was fascinating, and this is one of these things that really clashes with modern-day follow-yourself kind of science. Because willingness as a muscle means you can develop it. You can use it. You can make it stronger. You can become more willing and more willing and more willing. And you can also overuse it and make it tired and exhausted. You know, if you ever, you know, the worst is when you do yard work. And you're, you're working in the yard and you're bending over like this. And most people don't spend their whole day bent over like this. So the next day, how do you feel? Horrible, right? Well, willingness, sometimes if people try to go back the next day and do it again, and then do it again, you know, it's very difficult in their body, and willingness can be overworked like that. We can overdevelop our willingness. So, again, I want to look at this morning some things for our spiritual willingness. And the Bible does talk about some things that will help point us along the way. We have to want to do things, we, but, but our willingness, we've got to cook our willingness a little bit. We've got to develop our willingness to help get us through difficult seasons or take on some of those things that we know we should take on that we maybe have talked about for years and years. Maybe we just need to do it. Yeah? So there's a few of these things. The first is pretty straightforward. <laughs> pretty straightforward. Have realistic attempts. you got to do something. When I was a child, I remember I was about seven or eight years old, and I really wanted to be like the heroes in the Bible. I wanted to be the one that could push down the, the walls of the building. You know, I wanted to be the one that could, could call down fire from heaven and consume all the bad drivers. And I remember, <laughs> I remember as a child, we, you know, we'd live in the streets and we would make fun of the, car, the cars that would go by fast. You know, we thought, hey, too fast, too fast. I was one of those kids. 
So I, I remember thinking, if I'm called on fire, I wanted to be one of those biblical heroes. I wanted to be the ones that pray for the dead, and the dead would get up and walk. And those are great goals. Maybe not the fire, but they're great goals. But why don't I just start with prayer? Why don't I just start with sharing about the Lord to my friends? Why don't I just start with things that are a little more realistic, maybe for a seven-year-old? And, and I think that's a good path. I know there's a lot of people who, a lot of believers, who will set some goal, and it's, it's a great goal, but it's so grandiose. You know, if you're going to lift weights, remember, they think uh, willingness, psychology is telling us that willingness is like a muscle. If you're going to develop a muscle that you haven't developed a whole lot, why would you start with lifting 1,000 pounds? Set something a little more realistic that you can do and that you can stretch yourself to do. And when I'm talking in terms of the Lord, think about that. Sharing faith. We all have somebody in our family that's not a believer. Well, just about all of us anyway. Or a neighbor. Or a coworker. Talk to that person. I know there's ramifications. But if you don't, maybe nobody will. Set a goal of that. Set a goal of stretching your prayer time. Set some goal and then do it. If you don't make it, well, I'm going to give you, this is an old analogy, and maybe you've heard this before, but it's a good reminder. Imagine that you're walking down a road. You're going from here to there on a brand new road, a road you've never been on before. You don't know what to expect. You just know you have to get to the other side, down that way. So as you start to walk on the road, there's a pothole in front of you that you don't see because it's a new road, new, new to you. So you're walking and you're looking here, and you step in this pothole, and you fall down. And you're laying on the road. You've got a big decision to make. What do you do? You could lay there. And if you just lay there, that's going to be trouble, isn't it? Eventually, you're going to have big problems from just laying there. Or you can decide to get up and keep on walking. And the same goes with willingness. If you fall short... You can decide to lay there because you're in a new road in your life, or you can get up and try again. What do you want to do? See, it's an old analogy, but it fits, yeah? So we start off with setting realistic goals, which leads us to this. We've got to pray about our goals. You know, <clears throat> this is not a self-help thing. Every now and then somebody will say, well, you know, self-help and prayer. When we pray, we're really asking God for help. I mean, we're really asking him to do something. Prayer keeps our goals right in front of us. I used to pray, when I was at, when I worked at a corporate job, there was all kinds of people to share faith, all kinds of people to tell about the Lord. Lots and lots of Gentiles or non-Jews. Lots. So I would wake up and I, could, I, I told tons of people about the Lord. I really did. I tried to, and I tried to live a life that was worthy of the testimony. I tried to share faith and invite people, and I tried to do these things, but I really... I really wanted to share faith with Jews. I didn't know where the Jews were. All kinds of Gentiles, but if I could find a Jew here and there, I'd think, well, that's pretty cool because that's a unique ministry opportunity. So I would pray, God, show me Jewish people to connect with. Where do I go? Where do I find the Jew? And I would think about it. Where do I find the Jew? Where do I find a Jewish person to share faith with? Where do I do this? God, how do I do this? And I would wake up and I would pray. And it kept it in mind for me. But it, he also showed me Jewish people. 
He answered my prayer. I'm praying his will to grow the kingdom and to share faith in the kingdom. And I'd be sitting in a meeting and all of a sudden somebody would say, oh, this weekend, I had a crazy weekend. I was just at synagogue. <gasps> Jew. <laughs> now you're outed. You're out. And I would go back and I would look for him. And I'd say, hey, by the way, I know you are at synagogue last weekend. So uh, let me tell you. And then we would start a dialogue. Thank you, God. And I would do this for years for years. Sometimes it came out of nowhere. Other people, I, sometimes there was one man I just prayed for for two years. Two years I prayed for this guy. I knew he was a Jew, but I never had the chance to get around him and talk to him. And I'd pray for him by name. God, i got to figure out how to get connected to this guy because he's way over there. And finally one day in the elevator. I must have been like that creepy stalker guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I heard you're a Jew. That's how we started the conversation. And he said, yeah. So we started talking. He said, where do you go? And I told him about Beth Messiah. And he, Beth Messiah, I don't think I know that. I said, oh, it's messianic. He goes, oh, I heard of those. <laughs> Very interesting. Like, you bet it's interesting. But we got to pray. Sometimes we pray for things that God just lays in our heart, but we don't know what to do with them. You know what I'm talking about? You get an idea for something. I get an idea for something, and we pray about it because we have no idea what to do. And let me give you an example. Several years ago, four or five years ago, the elders here, we got together, and we revisited our vision. What is the vision of Grace Christian Fellowship? And at the time, it was very simple. It was more of a slogan. It said, strengthen to reach, and it was fairly vague. Strengthen to reach. How? Who? What? Where? We didn't know what that meant. It's too vague. So through a lot of prayer and lots and lots of discussions, we finally came up with the four areas of outreach, and they're hanging on the wall. We want to reach the neighborhood that we're, our building is in. We wanted to reach those we were in regular contact with and figure out how to have things and outreach and efforts for that. We want to reach the Jewish community. And this last one was the most vague. We wanted to reach our local politicians, our local government. And that was very vague to us. We didn't know how to do that. And it was one of these things. I remember talking about it. And how do we do this? I don't know, but it seems like this is what the Lord wants us to put down. We put it down. Now what? How do we do it? Hmm. Well, so we prayed. We believed God was in it, and we prayed. It's been a most interesting journey to watch because since that time, doors have opened up for us. Doors that we didn't even know existed. An alderman would call us. A state senator would call us. Somebody would call us and say, can I come in and share on a Sunday? Sure, if we can pray for you, can we, you know? So we would have, we, some of you have been here. We had, we've had local politicians in here. A number of them reached out to us. And now since then, we've started, we've got one person, Scott Zedding, who his job, is, part of his ministry role is to reach out and find local politicians and invite them. And uh, We've reached out to invite different people at different times. Uh, but every now and then something out of the blue comes, and it's just a stark reminder that God is doing something in us and with us as we seek him with the vision he gave us. But we seek him. For example, I've got a phone call just this week, this week that we've walked through, from... Uh, somebody uh, in the Milwaukee government, and they asked me to go back and to pray for our common council to lead the invocation for our next common council meeting on Tuesday. So I'm going back. I get two minutes to share the gospel, and then I get to pray for them. I didn't even know there was invocation for the common council five years ago. 
I, didn't, I thought they were done praying. I thought they took the religion right out of government. I really did. And since then, this is the second time they've called and said, would you come and pray? No. Of course I'm going to go. What, I get two minutes to say something? What? That's wonderful. And aren't you glad, this is an aside, but aren't you glad that we are not, you don't have to be a Republican to be a believer here? Or you don't have to be a Democrat to be a believer here? Aren't you glad we don't, we don't you know, as citizens of heaven, we don't have to pick one of those two parties. We just do the best we can with the word, and we, we look at candidates based on the word. We do the best we can, and it's amazing how the Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us. I'm going to go next Tuesday, so please keep that in mind at 9 in the morning, uh, and pray for me that I do a good job sharing the gospel in a way that they hear, and that engages them, and that also that I pray a right blessing over them uh, in an appropriate, an appropriate prayer for them. I really want to do a good job. I want to be a good testimony to the Common Council. And our Common Council, if you don't know, it's downtown and the old historical building. It's made up of uh, our aldermen, alderwomen. Um, sometimes the mayor is there. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes they'll have uh, the chief of the fire, depart- fire chief there, the police chief. Uh, sometimes they won't. It depends on what they're meeting for. Um, sometimes there's, the last time that I was there, it's quite a big session. The news cameras were all set up. And, uh, of course, I thought they were there for me. But they, it was, a, it was a, quite a big deal, and there was a protesting group um, that was very anti-government. I think they were not Black Panthers. Um, Black Lives Matter. That was it, Black Lives Matter. And they were there, and they were ready to protest. They all heard it. They all heard the gospel, and they all heard the prayer. And I get to go back, and I get to do it in the name of the Lord and be a, rep, a testimony to him and a testimony of our house you know, hopefully I don't drool on myself in a, in a way that embarrasses you. <laughs> I do want to do right by us. So pray for that. But you know, what I, the, the, the point in this is, if we just seek God, he makes these connections. He opens doors that we never knew were there. It's not like uh, we haven't been knocking on that door. And there are things in our life where he does these wonderful things sometimes if we just seek him. You know, the Bible says we don't have because we don't ask. Sometimes we need to ask, and prayer is a heavy thing. And I want to encourage you, when you pray for these sorts of things, pray out loud. It's very hard to be focused just in a mind. Hold on, let me pray for you. (laughs) Articulate the words. Say them out loud. There's something to that. It's a holy thing to pray out loud. And uh, it's a whole different discussion, but it's a a good thing to pray out loud. So these two things help help with motivation, help kind of screw up our motivation a bit. Let's look at this next one, Brad. Uh, Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If we are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, we need to stop trying to do all the stuff we used to do. It is the worst killer for motivation that I know of. If we, if we want to do something for the kingdom, if we want to be great in the kingdom, if we want to be active, if we want to do things with the Spirit of the Lord, we can't keep doing the old stuff. we got to let it go. And you know what I'm talking about. Let it go. Focus on this stuff. We can't do both. Amen?
This one's self-explanatory, but this kills willingness. It just crushes it. Brad? 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may receive it. That's it. If you want to get motivated, sometimes just think about the prize. It's all right. Paul says that I run for the prize. I want a prize. You know, I'm a pretty goal-oriented guy. I want a prize. Remember, remember when you were a kid? Any Cracker Jacks? The, the prizes in Cracker Jacks, bless you, the prizes in Cracker Jacks back then were awesome. Now I think all the prizes in Cracker Jacks are things like, you know, they've gotten worse over the years, you know, little plastic things. The worst, do you remember, and I was thinking about this in first service too, it's funny what you think of up here. Do you remember tattoos as a child? And sometimes they would have them in Cracker Jacks, or sometimes they would, you would go to a place, like a restaurant, and they would have something back in the day that kids could pick prizes out of. The worst was getting one of those tattoos. That's no fun. What? A tattoo? What a bummer. You know, I wanted the good stuff. But run for the prize. The prize is good. You know, there's, there's a prize of eternal life, but we know there's also rewards in heaven. There's rewards in heaven. That can help motivate me. That can help screw up my willingness to get something done here. There's somebody in, in church, I won't say who it is. They tell me all the time, all the time, oh, trying to get my prize in heaven, trying to get my prize in heaven. All the time. It's okay for us to think in terms of, well, maybe I won't get anything now, but in heaven, God sure is going to notice. And he sure is going to say, good job. I don't know what that prize is. I can't imagine, I can't even imagine heaven, let alone think of a prize in heaven. Right? So let me go over these again. Number one, have realistic attempts. Realistic. Don't stay in the ground. Get up. Set a new realistic attempt. Number two, pray out loud. If you don't have an answer, if you don't understand clear, with clarity what's going to happen, just pray for it. Keep praying. Think of the government thing for us. God reveals. He reveals in his time. Number three, you got to die to the old life. And number four, keep your eyes on the prize. Motivation, or willingness, it's not motivation really, but willingness to do is essential to walk out our new identity. Having identity is nice. We have to have the willingness to walk it out. We can't keep doing the same thing. If we have the same walk that we had a year ago, that doesn't say much for us. And again, we all have these things in life as believers. If we've been a believer for any length of time, any length of time, we have things that we know that we could be doing that will stretch us, move us, push us, Challenge us. We need a willingness for it. Amen? It is fun to be used by God. It's a little scary, but it is a lot of fun. You know what I'm talking about. You ever been used away from God and you're like, whoa, that's cool.
Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.